I'm Dane. I'm Elaine. And this is Sublime True Crime. And this is another episode that's been researched, written up and recorded during lockdown, thanks to coronavirus. I don't know how it's affecting anyone else, but I feel like I'm going stir crazy. We had a conversation in bed the other morning about our plans for the day, and it pretty much centred around whether we'd be spending more time in the living room or the kitchen. Yeah, I'm going a little bit mental now. Yes, I don't think you're the only one. <laughs> um, before we begin, a quick shout out to Jay Barnes, who contacted us via the Facebook page during the week. Jay said, you two get funnier with every episode and must be the only podcaster that says twat. Twatty bollocks cracked me up. Cheers, Jay. I must admit that twatty bollocks is an often used phrase in my world and it's obviously slipped into the podcast on more than one occasion. I can't help the swearing. <laughs> Especially with some of the criminals. Yes. Yes. Jay's also said he's going to send over some suggestions of cases for us to cover. Anyone can do that, either via Facebook or via email. The addresses are in the show notes and we would welcome some suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. I spend more time researching on what to write up than I do actually write it up some days. Oh, that's just you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Back to this week. Seeing as the world seems very serious at the moment, I've changed tack and decided to write up some stupid criminals. So partly inspired by the Wombat Thick member of the Hatton Garden Heist, which we covered in episode 8. Go back and listen if you haven't heard it. These stories are true crimes, although you'd probably be hard pushed to call them true criminals. I really enjoyed the Hatton Garden Heist episode. <laughs> very lighthearted, wasn't it? It really was. It was a fun <laughs> episode. We've got three stories for you this week, which is unusual. So the first one up is Catch Me If You Can. Look at these Muppets buying tickets at Southwest Trains, read the tweet sent in October 2015, alongside a photograph showing people queuing to buy a ticket for a journey on Southwest Trains. It was the first in a series of tweets sent by Rich and Ruddy, where he ridiculed Southwest Trains while boasting about not having bought a ticket. Ruddy dodged multiple train fares and tweeted Southwest Trains for over a year on Twitter generally taking the piss. Among the dozens of tweets he sent, he bragged that the firm were saving him money and goaded them by asking them to, quote, come get me, end quote, while he was on board one of their trains without a ticket. He also branded paying customers as Muppets. In other tweets, he uploaded a selfie of himself sitting in first class with the caption, come get me at Southwest Trains, first class without a ticket, and then a pokey tongue smiley. He also wrote, Another £4.40 saved, thanks, at Southwest Trains. Later adding, catch me if you can. To be honest, the amount they're delayed or off schedule, I deserve a free ride every now and again. I have to say that he's spot there wrong. Yep, he That's has. really annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a few as you go through this. Yeah, you don't deserve a free ride, you deserve a free dictionary, pal. Yes. He also boasted in a tweet that he was on the rail company's most wanted list and in another said, when the ticket man is scoffing a cream cake on carriage one, if you sit in carriage four, you're home and dry. You spelled wrong. I know, I just... <laughs> I was sitting here seething. He spelled it wrong again. <laughs> he also uploaded a picture of a guard sat on a seat on the train with the caption, should Matt be sat down and not doing his duties at Southwest Trains? What a pillock. It really is. In fact, let's just take you through a selection of his tweets. Ruddy's greatest hits, if you prefer. <laughs> Two minutes from getting a free ride at Southwest Trains. It's okay, though. I got on at Branksome and paid from Pokesdown. Who's the winner there? Hashtag winner. Trains chocker through half term. Could probably get as far as Winchester without producing a ticket at Southwest Trains. Happy days. Which first class am I in at Southwest Trains? Coach one or coach four? Hashtag come get me. Hashtag no ticket. Fancy whacking the heating on in carriage five at Southwest Trains? 
Baltic. And later, Carriage 4 has a very strong smell of marijuana at Southwest Trains. Any chance of some Febreze? Eventually, another Twitter user reported him to the page, Penalty Fair Support. But Ruddy just tweeted the tweet and said in another, Convinced the ageing train assistant he'd already seen my ticket at Branksome, to which he apologised. Me, one, at Southwest Trains, nil. Salisbury Magistrate Court in Wiltshire heard how Ruddy was caught after an employee of the train firm came across his Twitter page, in which he calls himself Rich G. Shaw with a username of at tbramble19 and reported him. It's an odd username and an odd choice of... Yeah, it really is. I don't want any logic for that. The court also heard that Newcastle United fan Ruddy, there we go, so T. Bramble is a Newcastle United player, Ah. and I guess Rich G. Shaw must be Geordie Shaw. Oh, must be. Guy just becomes more and more of a pleb the more you read. He really is. What a pillock. The court also heard that Newcastle United fan Ruddy had mocked Southwest Trains by taking photos of their staff and uploading them to Twitter without permission. Ruddy, who used the service to get to work, must pay back £48.10 worth of fares. <laughs> which he swindled over 12 trips, as well as a fine of... How much do you think he got fined? Bear in mind, this went on for a year, 18 months. I was going to say, it's been ages, so it should be a really quite a high fine. Um, I'll, but no, of course, I'm going to say £600? A £1,225 fine. Oh, really? Oh, well, actually, that's that's actually quite good, mm. comparatively, then. Yes, I thought so. I was quite impressed, especially when I read that you'd only been paid back £48 worth of train fees. Well, looking at that, I was thinking, oh, God, it's going to be like £100 or something ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to really annoy me. No, that's, that's better. <laughs> A spokesman from Southwest Train said, quote, Every year, passengers are deprived of millions of pounds worth of potential improvements to their train services as a direct result of deliberate fare evasion. End quote. I take issue with that. Go on. They make a huge amount of profit yep. on the railways. They do absolutely fuck all to pay back into the system at all. The services are generally an absolute disgrace. No. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was merely going to point out the fact that he said potential improvements. Yes. Yeah. They, they just, it's not going to get put back into improvements, is it? It doesn't get put back into improvements at all. And, just, you know, fair dodging. It's wrong, obviously. Yep. But that is also blatant fibbing. <laughs> yeah. I suppose we should say that neither of us particularly use trains that much these days. Um, but UK's got the highest train fares in Europe. Yes. By some way. Mm. Tossers. And the amount of times that you have to dodge puddles of wee and stuff if you go out in the evening on trains. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's always my bitter memory of it, is the whole the wee swilling down the little channel at the edge of the train. So this is the difference between someone who's lived their life in the northwest in Liverpool and not really got the train over to Liverpool for work that much because you're talking about coming home or not whereas someone like me who's lived and worked in London most of my life and have been jam-packed into trains hanging from the uh, the bars <laughs> sniffing someone else's armpit for 45 minutes <laughs> not being able to move yeah, on to... a hot summer's day when they've got the heating on in the train yeah most of my experiences with trains were generally off peak because I would get the train to go to university or things like that off like days out mm. and then obviously a huge amount of time on trains going to and from evenings out in Liverpool Different yes, world. different world. Ruddy must also complete 120 hours of unpaid work. Moral of the story, don't fair dodge. And if you do, don't boast about it on social media and taunt the company you're screwing over to come and get you, because they just might. Ha! Huh. The next one we've got is the Dim Bank Robber. In December 2019, Matthew Davis of Dunfermline in Scotland was low. 
low on finances, low on good ideas, and low on intelligence. Oh. The three factors combined when the 47-year-old decided to rob a bank. He took with him a meat cleaver to use as a weapon, which he carried to the Dunfermline branch of the Bank of Scotland in a pillowcase. Pulling the meat cleaver from the pillowcase whilst outside the branch, he then put the pillowcase over his head in an attempt to conceal his identity and entered the bank. Davies immediately realised that he had not planned his heist very well, realising that he hadn't cut any eye holes in the pillowcase and therefore he couldn't see. (laughs) (laughs) He was forced to remove his disguise, (laughs) thus revealing his face to everyone around him as well as to the CCTV cameras. Undeterred, he continued with his raid, telling the cashier, quote, give me the money, I am fucking warning you, end quote. What I love about that is he's obviously realised that he can't see anything, and rather than go, do you know what, I haven't committed a crime yet, I'll just go away. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone, no, no, I'll power through this. (laughs) (laughs) The cashier dutifully handed over £300, but Davies wanted more, and pointed towards a female customer saying, quote, I don't want to fucking hurt her, end quote. After repeatedly banging on the toughened glass with a meat cleaver, he grabbed just under £2,000 and left. Oh, you'd be so annoyed with yourself, wouldn't you? You'd probably cringe at how badly it had gone so far and want to get the hell out of there as soon as you could, right? Of course not. A man making his way into the bank decided to tail the robber as he escaped. Prosecutor Stuart Ronnie said in court, quote, Davies was described as walking slowly, even stopping to pat a dog, end quote. <laughs> Police raided Davies' house and found cash, a pillowcase and a stun gun. The pillowcase was described as, quote, consistent with what he put over his head, end quote. I wonder if it was a um, particular type of design on it, maybe, some type of floral affair. Yeah, oh, something embroidered and fancy. Yes. Lord Turnbull told Davies that he would have faced a six-year prison sentence for the robbery, but for his guilty plea. And annoyingly, I can't find out how long he actually received, but I assume it's half the time if you plead guilty, so he must have got three years. I think usually about that. Prick. His counsel, Lorraine Glancy, had told the court that Davies' marriage had collapsed and that he'd run into financial problems. She also revealed that his mental health had deteriorated and he'd also began using crack cocaine. Ah, that explains (laughs) so much. You know when you get all the way through a story going, what the hell is this guy? Why is he? Ah, (laughs) crack. There we go. Do you reckon the dog was belonging to his dealer? (laughs) (laughs) Probably picking up a, yeah, picking up a fix. (laughs) And the last one we got is probably my favourite one of the three, to be fair, is the Goldilocks burglar. The worst thing about going away on holiday is coming home. Not only do you no longer have a holiday to look forward to anytime soon, but you're trudging home with suitcases full of clothes that need washing, safe in the knowledge that you can't even treat yourself to a cup of tea when you get in, as there's probably no fresh milk. And you listeners, you can tell this is a British podcast because I'm banging on about tea. When 73-year-old Pat Dyson and her partner, 78-year-old Martin Holtby, came back from a five-day-long National Trust holiday in Hereford, though, it was different. That's even more British, a National Trust holiday in Hereford. <laughs> can't imagine spending five days in Hereford. There can't be that much to see there, can there? But there's loads of National Trust properties. Good point. <laughs> Just after midnight on the 14th of July, 2014, the couple opened their front door. They noticed that their post had been tidied away and their cordless telephone had been moved from the table in the hallway. Making their way to the kitchen, the couple found pasta, processed cheese and chicken fillets on the worktop. Not only that, but their dinner plates and newspapers were neatly stacked nearby. I'm sure that lots of us have family that may pop round the day before we return from holiday to make sure there's some fresh food in the cupboards. In fact, 
I know there's a local taxi company near us that buys milk and bread as a small welcome home package for any customers they pick up from the airport. It's nice, isn't it? Nice touch. Yes, that is a nice touch. Pat and Martin didn't have anyone that would arrange this for them, though. Confused by proceedings, Martin Holtby made his way upstairs, only to find someone asleep in his bed. Waking the intruder, the couple tried in vain to communicate with the man, who spoke little English. Eventually, they called 999, with Mrs. Dyson choosing to lock the front door to prevent the intruder escaping. During a later trial at Burnley Crown Court, the court were told how Polish immigrant Lukasz Czodzianowski, aged 28, had pleaded guilty to burglary and theft. Tim Ashmore, the prosecuting, said, quote, Mr. Holtby went upstairs and his partner heard him say, What are you doing? Get out! Get up! She became immediately alarmed, ran upstairs and came across a bizarre situation where Mr. Holtby was standing over the defendant, who was in bed. She described Chosnowski as carrying under the bedsheets, end quote. It seems that while the couple were away, Chosnowski had been forced to leave his rented accommodation due to language problems. Anything like us, it's struggling to pronounce his surname. I know. Whilst pacing on the streets with his suitcase of belongings and with little or no money to his name, he spotted the overgrown wildlife garden which stood at the front of the couple's home. Creeping round the back of the house, he forced open a rear window and made his way inside. Laura Hayward, defending Chodzianowski, said in mitigation, quote, the, the defendant chose the house because he initially thought it was empty. He said the garden was overgrown and he entered. At that point, he must have known somebody was residing there. He stayed there for two days, hoping the owners wouldn't return, out of necessity because he didn't have anywhere else to stay. Oh. I do feel quite sorry for the bloke. I feel very sorry for the bloke. End quote. Mrs Dyson said their house wasn't too tidy when they went away and revealed that Chodzianowski had tidied up. <laughs> she, she also said that he had washed his underwear and socks and made some meals, adding, quote, he did burn an old saucepan, but that happens, end quote. <laughs> I, I can't have lost count of the amount of times that I've come home from a holiday found someone else sleeping in my bed and they've burnt the saucepan. Honestly, the amount of times it do, that does happen, she's right. <laughs> the court heard that the scene which greeted the couple's return included Chosnowski's suitcase full of belongings, which was on the floor. The bath was half full of hot water and bubble bath, indicating the burglar had just had a bath, and a smell of perfume in the air. Mr Ashmole said, quote, In short, the defendant was making himself very much at home in their address. It's quite an extraordinary state of affairs to come across. The Crown's case is he just took pot luck, hoping that nobody would come back in the immediate future. He looked through some jewellery boxes, but he did not take anything. He was using the home as a cosy little hideaway. End quote. Aw, bless him. I feel really sorry for him. I know, right? I do think it's important to say the couple found nothing to be missing from the property, so it does look like he wasn't trying to burgle it. No. The judge, Mr Recorder Raymond Herman, Wait a second, recorder, is that a title? Like Lord Justice so-and-so? I have no idea. Okay. If his name is Recorder Raymond Herman, that's a cracking judge name. <laughs> if it's just Raymond Herman, then it's not. Mm. Anyway, the judge, Mr Recorder Raymond Herman, told him, quote, It would appear you entered this property not with any deep intent to be dishonest, but simply as somewhere to live and probably hide for some days. You were looking for somewhere to live in some sort of desperation. It's right to say Mrs Dyson and Mr Holtby are at pains to ensure the court understands that they feel you left the house in a neat and tidy condition. And from that, I infer they feel some sympathy for you. End quote. Jodzianowski, now of Berry, was given a two-year conditional discharge and ordered to pay £200 costs. 
Pat Dyson spoke about the case afterwards, saying, quote, We prodded him to wake him up, but he just moaned and went deeper into the covers. As I walked back to go downstairs, I noticed there was water in the bath and the towels had been left on the floor all wet. I also noticed he'd done his washing. He had put the air up and put his smalls and T-shirt out to dry. When the man woke up, he was completely befuddled, and I don't think he knew what to think. A policewoman was there, and when they escorted him out, end quote. I think that's that's funny, the fact they tried to wake him up and they couldn't. Mm. We've all had sleeps like that. We like, have. get up. It's <laughs> me pretty much every day. Yeah, yeah. And it's every definitely morning. my teenage daughter every single day. It really is. I wonder who she gets that from. Mm, no idea. She added, in terms of burglars, he was the most domesticated one I could ever ask for. Fancy washing his dishes and airing his smalls. I would happily put him up in the cellar as our butler. I think he would be very good at that. End quote. My favourite quote from her, though, is the very British, very defensive one. Quote, I don't know how he could think our house was derelict. Martin has volunteered as an estate manager and worked in woodland management for the last 30 years, and he likes our garden to be like that. End quote. <laughs> I love that, because it's, it's like the defensive. I've got a friend who has quite an overgrown garden, and she's always going, no, I leave it like that on purpose. It's for the hedgehogs. Like, no, it's because you're a lazy cow. Get the lawnmower out. <laughs> I just I like the fact that you can feel a bristling at the end. Yes. Um, earlier on when they say that the house had not been left in the most tidy state, so basically they walked in and went, someone's vacuumed. What it's fuck? tidy, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's it for this week. So, what are your thoughts? You can let us know by emailing us. You can get me at dan at sublimetruecrime.com or elaine at elaine at sublimetruecrime.com. Bless you for saying that for me. <laughs> Do you want to give it another go, darling? No. Or do what Jay did and contact us via Facebook. Let us know which of the crimes we covered today were your favourite. And if you know of any UK-based crimes you'd like us to cover off, please tell us. If you're enjoying the series, please leave a review on iTunes or your favourite podcast provider. And please join us again next Sublime Sunday for another Sublime True Crime. Goodbye. Goodbye.